and welcome to today's episode of Tranquil Awakenings with me, Debbie Ison. On today's episode, I will be chatting with my friend Luke, who I've known since primary school. We're going to be talking about the importance of friendship, love and self-care and the importance of acceptance as we explore Luke's journey with his mental health struggles and how he's working really hard to overcome them at this time. So thank you ever so much for coming here today. We did actually record a podcast with each other a few months back, but the file corrupted. So this is attempt number two for us, but I'm really glad about that because I think we've been on a lot more of a journey probably in the last few months than when we last spoke. So that's quite exciting. So thank you ever so much for being here. No worries. Thank you for having me back. So we've known each other for years. So a little bit of background for the audience. Luke and I went to primary school together. Um, so we've known each other since we were about four or five years old? Four. You were four, I was five, because I started when I was five. Yeah. So it's a long time ago, isn't it? It is. Oh, my God, it seems like forever. It does. Well, we were just discussing prior to us actually pressing record about how old we're starting to feel. Yeah. And starting to plan our 40th birthday parties, aren't we? Which, we must... a little while away yet, but I think we both want something quite extravagant. So oh, definitely. We need the time to build them up. <laughs> So anyway, I really wanted to chat with you on here because I know you've been following my podcast all the way through. You were saying that you listened to it and you really wanted to be a part of this because you've had your own struggles over the years as well. Mm -hmm. And I think you've got an interesting story to tell. So I'm really excited for you to tell us about it. Yeah, I'm excited to uh, obviously share my story with you, Debbie, and obviously to all of your audience out there. Brilliant. So... In terms of your mental health and well-being, you've had some ups and downs over the years, haven't you? I haven't adjusted. <laughs> <laughs> How are you at the moment, most important? Um, most importantly, at the moment, I'm doing so much better than I have done in a very long time. Um, going back from being very, very young to now, I've learned a lot about myself and about what I can go through and how much I can tolerate before there becomes that breaking point. Mm -hmm. So for me, I have moved on very much so and I feel eventually now after everything, I've, I'm starting to find myself again now. So, Which is amazing. And I think like you say, it's such a big thing. Often it's, we have one experience and if we have just one experience on its own, we find ways to cope. We deal with it. We come back to some sort of equilibrium. Mm -hmm. But like I say, I've known you for a long time and you've had one disaster, one issue, one problem after the next, after the next. And it's just built up and accumulated over the years, hasn't it? So oh, yeah. I think that's when people get to the point where they then start to get worn down and everything becomes too much. Yeah. So I'm really glad that you're feeling like everything is improving. Oh, definitely. 110% definitely. That's brilliant. So... Do you want to share a little bit then about sort of your journey and where some of the mental health struggles began? Yeah, so it all really begins back with being a child. Mm -hmm. um, and it starts off from a very early age of sort of being three and a half. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember very much of living in London. So I lived in London down in Westminster mm -hmm. Barracks. Um, my mum was married to a soldier and that's where a lot of the abuse really sort of started mm -hmm. um, from. Um, I'd witnessed abuse from her husband, my stepfather, beating her up. Um, I would witness day-to-day -day getting beatings myself. I'd get slaps around the face. Um, I'd get abused left, right and centre. Mm -hmm. For me, that's where my abuse really, really started and... It just catapulted mm -hmm. after that. So you In... had a difficult time, really, from being very young. You obviously witnessed a lot of things that no child should see. Um, mm -hmm. And that sort of really takes away your safety, doesn't it? And what's safe in the world. Exactly. No child should have to witness that type of abuse no. at that age. Not at all. And, yeah, for me... In this day and age, if there's anything I can do 
to stop another child going through what I went through, I will move hell and high water to make sure that that child is protected. Mm -hmm. And I know sort of from you personally, even with situations where I've known that you've known some adults who are struggling with issues, whether it's addiction, whether it's trauma, you've really gone above and beyond to help them to make a difference. And I think some of that is because you've got that really caring nature because you can relate. Yeah, definitely. Like, you'll know from being school, you was known as one of the quiet ones. <laughs> yes. And I was very vulnerable. I, I was quiet, but at the same time, I was very vulnerable. So I'd gone from living in a massive city mm -hmm. of London yep. to coming back to such a little historic market town where we both live. Mm -hmm. And things were so different and it just catapulted from there really for me. And I think that's where the abuse just started getting worse and worse and worse mm -hmm. because my mum had three, two other children. Yep. That's not including me. And she had the two children that she wanted, mm -hmm. whereas I was the one that wasn't wanted. I, I was the mistake. I was I was sort of just the one that wasn't sort of wanted in life. Yeah. And for me, that is where my struggle has always been, is why, why was I not wanted? But now I've come to the conclusion myself of the reason I wasn't wanted was because I looked like my dad. Uh-huh. And, and that's how, for me, I've come across over the years. And that's how you perceived it, wasn't it? And when you're a young child, I think the thing is, it's really hard. Parenting is a difficult thing, and especially when there's issues going on. But as a child, you end up internalising it all as being <laughs> your fault and end up being to blame. And then I think that can leave you feeling really displaced in the world, like, where do I belong? Exactly. And if I'm being honest... Both of us as children were a bit odd, weren't we, in different ways. <laughs> we weren't the typical children, which doesn't make us the best target for, like, people being fine with us in school. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I know, what I, like I said, I was horrendously quiet as a child. I wouldn't say boo to a goose. And I went for my hot school meals on the first day of school. And one of the dinner ladies told me off that I didn't want to eat all of my ham sandwich. And I wouldn't go back for a school meal after that. So I went home every day for lunch because also I found it too traumatic to be having to mm -hmm. interact with other children. And then you were there also having a very difficult experience where children weren't always very kind to you, were they? No, no. I experienced a lot of bullying through school. And the reason for that was because kids in the school knew I was different. Mm -hmm. When kids know that you are different and they can see a vulnerability they will play on that vulnerability and they'll use it to their advantage to either one, try and befriend you, or two, be damn right out and out nasty. And for me, it was the latter of the two. It was the matter of fact that, that they saw me as this person that was, uh, we can beat him up and he's not going to tell. And, and it got, and it, it was very much like that. I remember, I remember being beaten up at school. I remember a, one lad at school, that we both went to school with, who was bullying me in the playground and on the bollard where the fence is, he cracked open my head. Mm -hmm. And I remember blood coming out of my head and I had to go to hospital and have my head checked and it had to be glued back together. And, and that bullying was extremely, and it got to the point where I couldn't really cope with it because not only was I dealing with the bullying at school, but also my brother and sister that went to the same school as me were told never to talk to me again. Which is really hard, isn't it? Just not having that belonging anywhere. Mm -hmm. And I think a huge turning point came for you when you went to live with your grandma. And I think that gave you that ray of hope because she thought the world of you, didn't she? And she I kept you her, safe. Yeah, I was her number one, her number one boy. Mm -hmm. And going to live with her... Yeah, the bullying didn't really stop, but it didn't matter because I had my safe haven mm -hmm. when I went home. But the bullying did eventually calm down Good. because my gram got involved, mm -hmm. went to the school and said, look, this is out of order. And it, it did, in the end, it did get slightly better. But mm -hmm. the 
all the memories that you have in your head, they don't go away. They sit with you for such a long time. They do, don't they? And I remember sort of with you, because obviously I think there was a level of understanding between us, even though we didn't really understand each other or anyone else at the same time. But I remember being in year four, so we were in Miss Amory's class. And I remember somebody was being mean to you and a bit mean to me. And we were sat in a row and for days it went on. And I just felt increasingly like this is really wrong and this isn't right. But I was sort of right at the bottom of the pecking order anyway because yeah. of me being so shy and timid and I wouldn't say boo to a goose. And eventually I just turned around and said something to that girl. And I remember her face looking absolutely like what on earth just happened because I think I'd actually spoke. Yeah. And I stood up for you. I stood up for me. And it brought an end to it. But I always remember that as I felt really glad I'd stood up for you, but I felt really bad that I hadn't done it sooner and also that there wasn't more that I could do because mm. I wasn't there at playtimes and no. I didn't really know how to relate to you. You used to like horses and you liked to gallop around being a horse on the playground <laughs> and I I liked to sit by myself in a corner and pretend I wasn't there at break times and then I wasn't at lunchtime. So it was a bit of a, a weird scenario yeah. but that really stays with me but I do remember how badly you were treated yeah. um, and that stayed with me for a long time and I yeah. think that's helped although it's not nice to see I think that's made me a more compassionate person and I think as I started to find my feet and get braver in secondary school I remember be, there being a lad that was a couple of years younger than me and he was really badly picked on by some of the staff and some of the children and I think what happened with you acted as a bit of a springboard for me to be more confident and stand up for him a lot quicker. Yeah. And so I made sure that I would talk to him. So I was in sixth form and he would be in sort of year eight or year nine. And I would go and chat to him to make sure that there was somebody there that was just looking out for him and just being positive and being kind. And I think that's because of you and what happened to you and yeah. it stuck in my mind. So I want you to know that even though you had that awful time, some positives came out of it yeah. because it's helped to shape me to be a kind of person. Yeah, and it, it definitely has, and you can you can see that just in your day to day life and how you are and how you are as a person because you have grown so so much from primary school through to now, and it's great to see because I love when I see you doing new things or you've you're taking something new on, like you're podcasting now, you're doing yourself and. Mm -hmm. Just to see that sort of when you messaged me and said, Oh, I'm doing it myself now. And I was like, Where where does she start? Where where does Debbie start? <laughs> but I don't think you're ever gonna start I'm never because gonna stop. you just you you just do new things and you just find new things and you go, Right, I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do this and I'm just thinking to myself, Wow. Oh, thank you. So I am really proud of you. And, as and a friend, I'm proud of you as well. As and you've achieved so much, haven't you, as well? Oh, achievements, achievements. Yeah, I have achieved a lot in my time because obviously going from school, you sort of, you go for your career paths and you, some people want to be a nurse, some people want to be a doctor, some people want to be an astronaut. You you get all from one end of the spectrum to the other and... For us, I think you was very much on the same wavelength as what I, you wanted to do a certain thing mm -hmm. and you, you, that was your teaching to begin with yeah. and you always wanted to teach and I always wanted to be in the equestrian world yeah. and I always remember being sort of at school in secondary and I always remember the careers sort of lessons that you used to have and everybody used to sort of say, oh, I want to do this. I always remember saying, and it's been since primary school, I've never, ever said I want to do something. So mm -hmm. what's the word? I've always been consistent with what I said I would do. Yeah. I've never once gone, actually, I've changed my mind. No. It's always been and horses, it, hasn't it? It has. You? And I always remember somebody saying to me in school, you will never achieve Which what is you... Awful. And that stuck with me, but it just made me into such a better person mm -hmm. because I actually went out there and I went, do you know what? I'm going to prove all of you haters out there that do think I'm not going to do it. I am going to go out there and do it and I'm going to achieve it. And I always, I, I always remember having danger, which was my horse. And he was amazing and he took me so far and took me 
to places where you you'd never imagine and he was my heart horse and I loved him to bits and he was so so amazing and the day he went absolutely broke my heart but he helped me so much he molded me as a rider he taught me things that I didn't even know myself mm -hmm. he'd get me out of messes if we were at a show and I didn't see a stride mm -hmm. he would correct me and he'd get me safely over a jump yeah and for me throughout my life I've always gone and I've worked on livery yards I've worked on big event yards I've gone out I've gone out and done events I've gone out to local shows and I think what for me really sort of stood out was one year being at the Lincolnshire show mm -hmm. and I always remember it like it was yesterday because it was a school trip and my school were taking a trip to it but I was competing on that day Wow! so everyone sort of I think because obviously I put word out I was competing so everybody expected to go expected to see me and because obviously they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll go and have a laugh at him. Mm -hmm. But because I was in the pony club relay yeah, and I was the head rider, mm -hmm. everybody sort of expected me to fall flat and, flat and that would be, ha, ha, we can go back to school. And I remember coming back to school from that day and everyone was like, I can't believe it. Oh, You're actually yeah, really yeah. good. Mm -hmm. But then a few years down the line, I've gone into that profession and I've got my top qualification. I remember going to college and I remember my tutor saying to me, you, you'll never pass level two. Which is horrendous. I don't understand why anybody as a teacher would say that. And I think that shows a level of incompetency with teaching mm -hmm. uh, because they should be finding a way to help you succeed. Yeah. And I always remember finishing my level two off Mm -hmm. And going and thinking, I'm, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go somewhere else. Yeah. And I always remember walking into a new college, and the teacher could see that I'd gone back to it because I was confident. I started being confident, mm -hmm. and I'd gone back to being less confident in myself. Yeah. And I remember the teacher sitting with me, and I remember telling the teacher how I felt. Yeah. And the teacher went, no teacher should tell you you're, not, you're never going to pass. Mm -hmm. And I remember it being really, it was really nice because she helped me and she gave me extra support in the areas. Even though I knew it, I, I was a typical pony club kid. Know it all, got all the gear, <laughs> know it all, nose in the air, if you below me. And that's what got, brought my confidence up because I was that pony club kid. Mm -hmm. And then to have your confidence knocked out at college and sort of said, look, you're not going to be no good. And then to go to another college and get distinctions across the board. And it was just distinction after distinction after distinction. I, I always remember my teacher coming to me and saying, you got distinctions the whole way through, you're level wow. three, mm -hmm. and then again, you're level four, and then uh, it was your British Horse Society, level one, two, and three. And I was like, I don't really want to take them. They was like, we, we want you oh. to take them. And I remember her pushing and pushing and pushing mm -hmm. for me to do it. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll do it, I'll do it. And she pushed me through my level one, two, and three. And it was amazing. It was just amazing. And to graduate and to then see her a few years ago mm -hmm. and she sort of said to me oh how are you doing and I sort of ha I broke the news and sort of said I don't do the equestrian world anymore I was like as much as I love horses so many falls and breaks and so many the horse world it is also a very very warped place because everybody backbites about each other mm -hmm. she's no good he's no good she's no good she's brilliant you're not flavor of the month so you can't be in this gang and mm -hmm. you know and for me 
when I sort of spoke to her and I sort of said, I'm no longer in it, I said, because I can't physically do it anymore. I said, I've got too many ailments. I said, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm in pain constantly. I, I'm with the onset of arthritis. I said, it, it just, it, it's not for me anymore. And I've gone from being, doing my dream, mm -hmm. succeeding my dream, because I did succeed. Yeah. I went out there and I succeeded. Mm -hmm. I showed people what I could do and yeah. I proved people wrong mm -hmm. because they all thought I was going to fall flat and they didn't. Yeah. I've got rosettes, I've got ribbons, I've got sashes. Mm -hmm. I can say, put my hand on my heart and say, I did it. Yeah. I, I, I smashed it. Mm -hmm. But as you get older and you get into the stages of maturity, you have to sort of think to yourself, how much longer can you go on mm -hmm. in a profession? And for me, I think the breaking point was six or seven years ago, where I just, I, I was starting to wake up in the morning and dread going to the stables because it was cold mm -hmm. and I was freezing and I was in pain. And, and for me, it just sort of got to the point of, I don't really want horses anymore or, I don't want too many anymore or I don't want one anymore. And for me, it's gone full circle because I've I've stopped with the horses now. I'm on my own. and But then you sit at home and you think to yourself, I'm actually missing, there's something missing in my life. Mm -hmm. And I've sort of sat back for the past couple of months and thought to myself, as much as I'm growing and I'm getting stronger again, mm -hmm. I'm missing something in my life. So... I think my next aim for now, 2024, is to start horses again. Amazing. But I'm not going to do competition. Mm -hmm. It is literally just going to be leisurely. Well, I mean, I think that's so good for you, isn't it? Because even if you are doing it in a leisurely basis, I think the horses have always been really therapeutic for you. Mm -hmm. I think you've always been really calmed by being around horses. They make you feel positive. It's that real bond with that loving creature yeah. that's really connected and I think horses are so intelligent. They get to know you and you get to know them. Exactly. And I think that would be really good for your well-being if you could start to incorporate yeah, that to some yeah. extent. Yeah, so I'm, ha I'm hoping to. 2024 is a big year for me. I've got a lot planned. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot that I would like to do in 2024. I'm going away to Benidorm in nice. 24. So quite excited about that. And I've got a couple of other bits that I'm wanting to do as well mm -hmm. in 2024. So there's, uh, there's plans around sort of flying around my head currently at the minute of what I want to do. And I think that's really important as well, isn't it? That when you've been struggling with your mental health, sometimes you can get so stuck in what's happened in the past and previous traumas, or it can be so hard to even look beyond the day of what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. So that ability to start putting plans in place for yourself yeah. is really empowering because it's something to look forward to, isn't it? It's something to move towards. Oh, definitely. 110% agree. That and like me and you both know throughout the years that we've moved on with our careers, like you went from teaching, now you're doing your podcast, you're doing all these Reiki sessions, and you've done so well. And like you, you've created, you, at least you can say you succeeded in your teaching as well. Mm -hmm. You actually went out there and did it, yeah, and you gave it a go. Mm -hmm. And you said, I succeeded in it, but it's not what I want to do anymore. Yes. And it's the same with me, I've gone out and it's taken me a while to find out what I want to do. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I have gone from job to job because I've not been happy. Yeah. But if you're not happy, you can't stay in the job. And I think that's something else that's really brave about you because I think you recognise that you are searching for something and you aren't always happy. But a lot of people, they're not happy, but due to fear of change or what might happen, they stay stuck in the wrong job, the wrong relationship, mm -hmm. the wrong set of circumstances, whereas at least you're doing something proactive that you are searching for what's going to make you happy and feel fulfilled. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And I'd urge anybody out there that is having that type of fear to really sit down and have a really good think about what it is that you want to do in life. What is your main aspirations? What is your, what is your goal? Because you've all got to have goals out there. I've got goals. You've got goals. Everybody has a goal that they want to go towards. And for me, that goal is finding my inner peace and my niche and what I want to do. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of led me to 
try and find something that I want to do. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I think I found it, but it's, uh, it's a little bit hard at the moment because it's all new to me and I'm still learning. Yeah. And it's, but it's great because I get to work in partnership with the NHS, the National Health Service. So, uh-huh. And I, I have sort of started finding myself and the job is brilliant. I do like it. You do have your days where it's challenging and you have your days where you sort of, you you have your days where you feel a little bit low because something bad's happened or you've not been able to fulfil somebody's sort of needs, what they need from you. And mm-hmm. But then other days it can be brilliant because you, you're getting that person to where they need to be and they're happy with the service that you've provided and you can walk away from job happy. So um, for me, that is a massive thing in my life. Again, with you, you get happy. It's it's so great to see because you post so much and you put how positive your day's been and Mm -hmm. how you're getting on with your clients and you do weekly updates. And it's great to see because that is what people need. People need to see that in order for them to go, actually, what do I want to do? Where mm-hmm. do I want to be? Yeah. And it helps. I still speak to people in the horse world now, and they go, how did you succeed? Mm-hmm. And I always say to them, well, I succeeded because I put my mind into first gear, and I took the first stab, and then it went into second gear, took the next step. I said, and eventually you get to gear six. And you're away. And I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's breaking things down one step at a time, making them manageable. Mm-hmm. And I think whether you've got a goal or a desire or whether you're just trying to overcome difficulties, it always makes it easier if you break it down into small increments rather than trying to imagine the whole thing all at once because that can all sort of feel like you've got to climb a mountain yeah. rather than just taking that first step. So yeah. I think that's a really good point that you're making mm. there. Oh, de- Definitely. And again, it's it's the same in any relationship. People run into these relationships and, and I hold my hands up and I'm guilty of mm-hmm. I'm guilty of that. Hundred and ten percent. And people go into these relationships and want it all straight away. They want the love, they want the passion, they want the authenticity of it all. And people run into so much and they go, oh, he's going to be with me for life. And then two or three months later, it's gone majorly wrong. Mm-hmm. And then they're going, oh, he's the best thing since I. And I've done it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not. You're a hopeless I romantic, aren't you? Let's be honest. You yeah. fall head over heels in love with somebody, and you like that idea of that prince charming coming along, and it just being absolutely wonderful because you deserve that. Let's be honest, you do deserve that. You deserve somebody that really cares about you and gives as mm-hmm. much as what you give back. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I can completely understand that yeah. perhaps you maybe not always chosen the best relationships, but it no. always comes from that place of you wanting that connection, aren't you? you yeah. Meaningful yeah. Connection. And the meaningful connection for me means so much because I've learned that you don't need to be with somebody. But back in the day, mm-hmm. back in the day, God. <laughs> it sounds like you're about 16. You're really not. Back in the day, it's all about going out and meeting people in person mm-hmm. and going on dates and doing things like that. Mm-hmm. But now in this day and age, it's all social media apps and mm-hmm. dating apps and you see the airbrushed, filtered photos of them and then you meet them in real person and they're not who they seem. I was, I got fooled into a relationship last year, which took me to a very, it took me to a very dark place mm-hmm. and it took me mentally, it made me very mentally unstable and yep. it, it took me to waking up in a hospital with two cannulas in my arms and to a nurse coming in and giving me something in, in my veins to make me be sick because mm-hmm. of what I, I've done to myself and all over somebody that was not true to himself and he had used my vulnerability for his own gain. Yeah. But I hadn't seen it because I was so wrapped up in he was the best thing since sliced bread. Mm-hmm. 
But going from that and seeing what he actually is today, mm-hmm. I'm so proud that I actually came away from it and I've got stronger. But also, I'm not proud of myself because I think back to myself is why did I do what I did to myself mm-hmm. over somebody like you? Yeah. And I think that's a big thing in itself, isn't it? And I think it's recognising that, do you know what, it's okay that that happened as long as you then can start to heal from it and look at yourself and think, okay, what do I need to do to give myself more love and mm-hmm. more care so that I don't get into that situation again? Yeah. And I think you're taking really positive steps towards that, mm-hmm. so well done. Yeah. Um, and I think it was one of those things that, you perhaps couldn't see what was going on for a while, but even when you did, because you had that caring nature and because you wanted to help somebody that you could see was very wounded and was in a very difficult place, you probably stopped in something far longer than you should have been. Yeah. And But it, it came from a good place. So I think I'm, I'm very glad you're out of it. <laughs> Me but, and you both. <laughs> yeah. And I'm really proud of you for the positive steps you're taking now. Yeah, and... That's the thing. Anybody listening to this that is in that sort of type of scenario, I would urge you to seek your friends because... Because you were getting very isolated from your friends, weren't you? You were starting to isolate you from everybody else. And that sort of brings that sort of dependency then because there is nobody else. And I think, like you say, those friendships are very important. And I think you're very lucky that you've actually got a lot of people that really care about you and yeah, everyone was just quite happy to embrace you again. Yeah, I I will put it out there, and if it wasn't for because I'd originally I I'd sort of lost touch with somebody who is now again more like my sister and my best friend. Mm-hmm. I lost her through a different scenario, mm-hmm. and she also went through something very traumatic, and I helped her through her trauma and. I just remember one day thinking, I need my friend back. Yeah. I need, I need her back. And I remember me texting her son because her son had sort of followed me on social media. <laughs> and I sort of said, and I sort of opened the channel. Mm-hmm. And he went, she, she's worried about you. She wants you to message, she wants a message from you. Mm-hmm. And I messaged her and I said, I'm in such a bad place. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I'm here for you. And I think within about half an hour, I was around the house. Oh, amazing. And she's been my, she's been everything since mm-hmm. probably late November last year. Yeah. When it all, when it all happened. Mm-hmm. And she really sort of helped me get through the dark times. Because there has been dark times. There's been days where I've, just wanted to sit and cry and it's been like it'll be it's been a year near 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 enough since we split so mm-hmm. it's it's coming up to a year mark and to sit down now and think oh my god this is what happens i'm just like wow i'm 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 so lucky yeah. because i could quite easily be somewhere else Mm-hmm. She said to me, imagine if you'd stayed with that person that you was with. God. You could be where he is now. Mm-hmm. She said, and there'd be no way out for you. Yeah. Because, and I've, and I've said, and I know addicts can get clean. Mm-hmm. But that person that is, is that person, I don't ever think will do that because I've heard it too many times from him last year Mm -hmm. and I think it's really hard isn't it when somebody's struggling whether it's with mental health issues whether it's addiction whether it's anything you've got to want the change and you've Mm -hmm. got to sort of be ready for it and yes you might need the extra help and support but I think you've learned from this that no matter how much you care about somebody as painful and difficult as it is to see them treating themselves badly and other people badly, unless they're ready and willing to help themselves, then there's nothing you can yeah. do. And it's heartbreaking, isn't it? And I see so many clients as well that are in situations like that where they've got children or relatives or friends that they see going down a mm-hmm. wrong path and they just have to sit back and wait for that person to be ready. Exactly, exactly. And this is another thing. 
the matter of fact, and I know she'll listen to this podcast, so at the same time, I just would like to thank her for everything that she did for me mm-hmm. because without her, I don't know where I'd be. I, If I'm being truly honest to myself, I don't think I would be here today yeah. without her because I was struggling. Mm-hmm. I was at the point in my life where I was ready to, even though I'd done it once, I was ready to make sure that I did it right the, the, yeah. that time. So without her, and I, I a big thank you to her because she is one of the reasons why I'm here today. So, Which that's amazing, isn't it? I think it shows the importance of friendship and connection. Mm-hmm. Those genuine friendships, those genuine connections. I think from your story and how you've grown up and everything, acceptance is really important. We should just be more accepting and more understanding of other people and differences. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Yeah. But those friendships are essential. Um, those positive relationships and connections. Yeah. And I think we live in a society nowadays where it can be quite hard to formulate those because in one sense we've got more things like social media. It's like we're on hand more and more, but also because we're all so busy in our lives, sometimes it's harder and harder to mm-hmm. make time for those connections. Exactly. And this is the thing, and I've always, I've always said it, people that... Our friends moan when their friends have got families of their own and they're single and because they're not being sort of the centre of attention, it can sort of boil sort of to a point of where the friendship starts to turn a little bit sour. And for anybody out there that is feeling like that, just as much as them people have a family, they've got, they will they will seek you they will come and Mm -hmm. they will come and say hello to you or arrange a night out with you but they families are family at the end of the day and that's not something that I've ever sort of experienced as Mm -hmm. much as we've had a family like my family my family name is so big yeah because we our values are you defend the family name yeah you back the family name, you live to the family moral. Mm-hmm. And for me, yeah, I have done that. I've lived to defend the family name. If anybody calls the family, I'm like, whoa, hang on a minute. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. take you back and say something else to me. Um, some of my old friends used to do that. Oh, the family name, the family's not that. But yeah, it is. Yeah. Family is everything. Family, mm-hmm. but I always now say, fam, friends are the new family. Yep. Family is what you make it. Absolutely. You don't have to be blood relative to be family. And like my friends' family, mm-hmm. they all took me under their wing, and I'm part. Of, I'm sort of part of their family, and it's nice because I call her some my nephew, and oh. he he's doing so well for himself mm-hmm. and. It's great to watch him, and I've watched him grow up since he was probably just leaving school for 16, and I've mm-hmm. seen him grow into the man he is today. And I look at me and I think, Jesus Christ, you're 27, I'm 36. Yeah. Uh, where has the time gone? Oh, it flies by, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, when I first met you, you were 16, and mm-hmm. now look at you, you're into a fine young man with your girlfriend and a house and but yeah he it's really something when you can sort of look in sort of look in the future of where you're going to see yourself and I've really done a lot of soul searching and like men for me it has been sort of I didn't want to get into a relationship Mm -hmm. very quick and I've taken my time and but having somebody around you can be so challenging because it challenges your head yeah it challenges who you are as a person and you start mm-hmm. thinking to yourself are they going to start treating you the way that your exes in the past have treated because i've not just had one ex i've had two or three exes in the past mm-hmm. and it's all gone it's all gone pear shapes and i've been trapped wrong or it's just not worked out because we're different people mm-hmm. But with a new relationship, when you are looking and you are trying to see what's in front of you, but you're mm-hmm. seeing what's behind you, it's very difficult. But I've learned to do it 
but move backwards and go actually let's take a minute let's evaluate Mm -hmm. but again it has sort of knocked my confidence a little bit more this time around Mm -hmm. and as much as I want somebody Mm -hmm. for me at the minute I'm just happy sort of looking around seeing what's about seeing who's around before I take the plunge now into the next relationship and it has been recently I've started talking to somebody and then it went sour Mm -hmm. and it put me back on oh hang on a bit no that's not what I want and Mm -hmm. it's not sort of what I need to have in my life right now and I've walked away from it and I think that's really good for you to recognize that as well because I think the thing is we tend to if if I'm talking a bit more sort of now on like energy and vibration we tend to attract sort of what frequency or what energy we're giving out so yeah I think if you're coming from a place where you're sort of your self-esteem's low, you're lacking confidence, lacking self-love, that's going to attract those sorts of people that are going to take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. But as you're now on this process where you're committed to working on yourself, you're improving how you're feeling about yourself and caring about yourself more, then that raises your expectations of like what you will and won't tolerate from other people. Exactly. And when you feel better about yourself, you know that actually you're securing yourself, whether you're in a relationship or not. Yeah. And that relationship's there to enhance everything exactly. rather than to be relied upon. And that's when you become strong and that's when you end up meeting the right person. And that will happen for you. I think it's just like you say, you are needing this time at the moment just to heal because you've gone yeah. through such a lot. And it, it's not just one bad relationship. Like you say, it's several bad relationships, but it's a lifetime really of lots of people in your life that have been in different trusted positions not caring for you in the way that you needed to. And so Mm -hmm. you've never really had that example put into place. And so I think it's okay that you're now taking that time to really reflect and heal and grow from that experience. Again, it's like the mother-father situation. I didn't have a mum or dad. Mm -hmm. I had to just be Luke. Yeah. But then when at the age of 10, when my grand finally took took custody of me, mm-hmm. my grand did the job of grandma, auntie, uncle, granddad, mum, dad. She did all of that. Even mm-hmm. my granddad, yeah, my granddad was there, but my granddad, I remember being very, very poorly and he was quite a stout man and mm-hmm. he was completely against my sexuality. And towards the end, we didn't really see eye to eye and but my gran also did her role but then when my auntie also moved out she took over the auntie role and she Mm -hmm. did the uncle role and she did the mum role and she did all that i remember my gran going out and doing two three jobs bless her to bring me up Mm -hmm. because she didn't all she got was family allowance and child tax credit for me yeah and her pension she was a pensioner Mm mm-hmm she was at pension age, bringing me up and still going out to work. Yeah. So she she had to do so much. Mm-hmm. But to this day, she's created as a bad woman. And it's really hard, isn't it, as well? Because I think we can have different relationships with different people and we have different viewpoints. But I think for you, she was really your saviour and she gave you something really positive. She gave you a home, she gave you stability, mm-hmm. and she really showed you that you are important and you cared for. Yeah, I, she, I wanted for nothing with her. I, mean, I always remember her sitting down with me saying, right, what do you want to do when you leave school? Mm-hmm. And I always remember saying, I want a whore. Yeah. And I remember the day where I eventually got that horse. Oh. And I was over the moon. Mm-hmm. I was. I remember it, it like yesterday. It, it was just everything that I wanted and more. Mm-hmm. You couldn't have asked. But she gave me the tool to be able to go out there and do the career that I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And she really did help. She didn't sit back and she wasn't a parent that was like, oh, don't be stupid, you can't do that. She actually wrapped my dreams up and she made it happen. Well, she believed in you, didn't she? She did. Yeah. She did. And... Everyone will say, oh, golden boy. I was the golden boy and I got what I wanted. What I got, if I stomped my two feet, if I flung myself around, I got what I wanted. Mm -hmm. She gave in. But that was always what it was. Looking back now, spoiled brat syndrome (laughs) comes to mind. (laughs) 
for me because I was I was a spoiled I was a spoiled brat mm-hmm. more than spoiled. I got some things kids would only dream of. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know. And I think for me that's another thing that I look back at now when I think to myself, actually. Should I really stomp my stomped my feet? Should I frame myself on the floor? Should I have done all them things? And I think now maybe I, I maybe I gave my grand a run for her own money, and I I remember tiring her out. I remember it so vividly. Like I, I just remember getting the bath. Or like back in our day, kids of today sit on Xboxes and they sit mm-hmm. on social media, they sit on tablets, they sit on mobiles. Back in our day, there wasn't any of that. No. It was go out, go on the street, come back in when it's dark. Mm-hmm. I'll shout you in for your tea. Yeah. And then you have your tea, go back out, I'll shout, I want you in at seven o'clock for a bath, bath and bed. I remember Sunday night, heartbeat theme coming out. <laughs> and it was the dreaded, that was the dreaded hour. <laughs> that was the dreaded hour because you knew as soon as that theme tune came on. <laughs> Bedtime, school the next morning, and uh-huh. I always remember it. Uh-huh. And I think for me and you, because we grew up in such an era where it was so different, uh-huh. I'm actually quite scared for the children of the next generation uh-huh. because you're probably going to see your grandkids grow up to a certain age. I might have a kid and have grandchildren. It may not never happen. But for us... The next generation after that, we're not going to see. And I, I dread to think where it's going to go. And I think I have those worries as well, because obviously I work with a lot of teenagers as well at the moment that are really struggling. There's a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression, a lot of self-harm. And I think the whole system's broken, really, um, long and short of it. And I think education, there's too much pressure and there's not enough variety in education to help people actually do what they're good at mm-hmm. and fulfil their purpose. But then at the same time, I think there's a lot of kids out there that are really switched on. So some of the positives I've seen is there's a lot more children and teens now that are an awful lot more tolerant of other people, a lot more understanding of different, mm-hmm. and also want to want to look after each other, want to look after the planet, want to make positive changes. And I just hope that that will see them through and they don't get so overwhelmed and so bogged down with the mental health issues all the struggles mm. and pressures of day-to-day life because I think potentially they could do something absolutely remarkable and make a massive change. And I think we've mm. just got to put those foundations in where we can to support them doing that in whatever capacity. So for you, it might be some of your friends' children or if you have children of your own. For me, it's my children giving them those opportunities. Mm-hmm. And I think every generation has difficulties and I think there's some negatives, but I think there's also some positives, and I just hope that they can be exactly, exactly. And I think the positives that come out of it will really shape the next generation, the generation to come after that. Mm-hmm. I think things are just changing, aren't they? And we've just got to be. As Unfortunately, as we, can. we we've been we've grown up in an era where it's completely different, and now we're sort of having to look. <laughs> Keep talking about us like we're really, really old here. We're not. I'm just going to make that clear. Well, I am, I am. Anybody that doesn't know who I am and hasn't met me, I'm 35. <laughs> and I've got a lot of life to live yet, Luke. And <laughs> I'm not old. <laughs> we're not. We're, we're, young, we're young at heart. That's what I will say. We're young we're at heart. <laughs> but yeah, and for me, I'm just so proud of like being able to sort of say, I'm still here today. Yeah, well done. I'm proud of you for that as well. That's amazing. And I'm so proud to, even though like we lost touch a, 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 for a long time, mm-hmm. we reconnected and I don't do that with a lot, with very many people. I don't reconnect with people from the past mm-hmm. because I've got so much in my head from the past. Yeah. It just, it, it it's It can just be painful amazing. as well, can't it, revisiting the past. Even things positive, like when we were talking about your grand just then, about how she provided for you, how she took care of you. You then have some of that guilt. I could see it in your face from perhaps some of the ways you behaved, but you did the best you could mm-hmm. with the skills, knowledge and life experience you had at the time. Yeah. And that's okay, but she loved you regardless. And oh, I think God, yeah. 
I think what I would like you to take away from this conversation tonight and what's happened so far is that you are loved and it's now time for you to really take that love in mm. and embrace yourself fully yeah. and just accept yourself and love yourself for who you are exactly. because you're great and I'm really, really proud of you for where you are now oh, and I know you're you. going to carry on <laughs> making positive strides yeah. forward. So, but, yeah, yeah, but I say for anybody listening, if anybody is going through hard times or there's teenagers out there that are relating to this, please don't feel scared to talk or go and see somebody. If you are in a vulnerable position and you are feeling like you've got no one to talk to, go and find a friend, go and find a family member, seek the help out there. There's plenty of help for people out there. So if you are listening, mm -hmm. please, 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 I urge you to go out there and find the help that you need. Even if it's just talking to a friend, yeah. it can help they are yeah. like an outsider as much as they're your friend they can look from the outside in yeah so please 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 guys do talk it's okay to talk men say they don't like talking the best thing to do is to talk definitely and it's the best way forward again with ladies you a lot of a lot of ladies don't open up either and a lot of people won't talk but seek help seek whoever you need because it might just save you and it might just put you on the path where you're going to make a better life for yourself like I have, like Debbie has. We're here today. We can tell our stories and we can say this is who we are as people today. And going forward, things can only get better and get stronger. We may have relapses along the way. We may fall into potholes along the way. But you can certainly get out of them because you've, you've got out a bigger before. Mm-hmm. So, guys, it's easy. I'm not, well, it's easy if you know how. And once you know how, it gets easier. So, guys, honestly, talk because it's what you need to do. And that's what I want to take away from tonight. And if I can give anything back to you guys, that's my message to you. Thank you ever so much for joining me tonight and making me feel really, really old. Um, no, it's been great, genuinely. It's lovely to catch up with you and just hear about how you're getting on. And thank you to our audience for listening. So whatever you're doing, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day and I shall speak to you again soon. Take care and bye-bye for now. If you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure you subscribe. If you would like to find out more about the therapies that we provide and the training we offer, please visit our website, www.tranquil-awakenings.co.uk. You can also find us on social media.